from active timer battling to zombie slaying. Waffling Tailors covers all kinds of gaming and beyond. This week we were joined by Rob and Tim of Gold Mountain Games to talk about their new TTRPG campaign, The Salt Reach Isles, and how they went about creating it. It's important to note that we recorded this episode during the height of the changes to the OGL, or Open Games License, from Wizards of the Coast. This is the backbone of Dungeons and & Dragons and Dungeons & Dragons-like content, and the changes brought about by Wizards of the Coast caused a lot of backlash from the D&D community, which we actually talked about in this episode. Also, unfortunately, Squidge was ill when we recorded this episode, so he's not in this one, but I talked with both Rob and Tim afterwards, and they are more than happy to come back to the show and talk both Squidgy and myself through the updates as they continue their world building and production of the Salt Reach Isles. Anyway, in the words of the incomparable Squidge, roll the intro music please, Mr. Podcaster Man. Uh, gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the Waffling Tailors podcast. It's amazing to be connected with you. Thank you. It's great to be here. Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful. Um, now, you're both from um, Gold Mountain Games, which is wonderful company putting it. I'm going to, um, I feel like I'm going to use the wrong words here. This is only unintentional ignorance. I'm sorry. But you put out um, custom-made uh Dungeons and Dragons fifth edition based uh, campaigns, right? We did. <laughs> that was <laughs> okay. The elephant in the room already. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but but yes. Yeah. Uh, cool. Tabletop RPGs, right? Yeah. Cool. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. Um, yeah, uh, so yeah, we've got uh, a couple of one-shots out and we've also got a settings book. Um, so yeah, we can go into a bit more detail about that later on, I think. But uh, yeah, we tabletop RPGs is what we do. Yeah, and uh, we, we'd we like to approach everything from a very professional mindset, right? So like as much as like we're all still fans that are playing the games and, you know, really wanting to make this a fully realized company and everything else, we're still working with artists and writers on, you know, professional contract level work in order to make certain that our visions are as clear and concise and as awe-inspiring as possible for the end users once they get the products. Mm-hmm. So absolutely nice. Nice. Okay. Um, uh, would you mind real quick, just introducing the yourselves, um, just so the listeners know a little bit about, it. I know you both uh, by your first names, but I don't know whether you want to go as yeah. use pseudonyms or anything on the show. I use a pseudonym, so, you know, I'm fine with that. No, I'm fine. I'm, <clears throat> I'm Rob. Uh, I'm the owner and executive director of Gold Mountain Games. Uh, I've, well, I've been playing tabletop RPGs for about a decade. I've been, before that, I was massively into the board game scene. I set up one of the biggest board games clubs in the UK. Um, I've got a board game tattooed on me. I've got, you know, my favourite fantasy author tattooed on me. I'm I'm a mega geek and I, you know, tabletop RPGs have been a large part of my life and kind of formed a lot of my friendships and helped me with lots of troubles in my life and i just think they're great and i i wanted to give back some of that awesomeness 
So my name is Tim. Uh, I am one of the directors at Gold Mountain Games. Uh, my my primary function is the uh, business and um, th- is the sales, the marketing, the business side of it. Um, I I actually my day job, if you want to call it that, heavy quotes there, is I work within the gaming industry during the day. I'm actually a sales representative at Cryptozoic Entertainment, and I also do contract work for other companies. So. Um, it's funny when Rob actually reached out to me the first time, I was just like, yeah, I want to do some writing. And then we got to talking is like, oh, wait, no, we need this slot filled more. So, um, you know, for a lot of folks out there, what I do is the boring corporate stuff, but it's also very necessary stuff for when we get to that point of getting the products out there, really, you know, letting them shine. Absolutely. Sure. Nice. Uh, nice. I think Tim was a great, you know, he's been amazing at kind of coming on and turning turning my wild ideas into products um so yeah it's great yeah what what started off as what would you want to do just a simple pdf i was like no we're doing books and leatherette bound covers and foil decks and (laughs) yeah i just i was like we could totally do this absolutely absolutely it's the uh premium product right exactly exactly you know, it's it's one of those things that, like, being in the industry for as long as I have, like, I, I'm nothing against PDFs, nothing against any of that. But for some reason, people take you more seriously when you put physical stuff out into the world. So, you know, with that, with especially with, you know, Rob's dream of what he had, especially for the Salt Reach Isles, um, you know, it just, it made more sense to push the physical product route, you know, and really give it that that tactile feeling to the brand. Not to make it sound all salesy sound bites, but there you go. <laughs> oh, I like it. I like it. Because like you say, it separates you out from some of the other people who are in the in that space too, right? Yeah. Um I know that um Squidge, who unfortunately can't be with us today, he's very much into the tabletop Resident Evil games. Um and there's one that he's uh sort of backed on uh Facebook, which is just this chap who's doing it in their own time. Um, and they've produced a PDF and it's like, this is the first game. Cause obviously, you know, Steamforged have just announced they're doing the, the first game as well, but this was, you know, two, three years ago. And this chap is just putting together a rule book and a campaign and stuff and maps and tile sets just in their own time. And they just released it as a PDF, which is pretty cool. But obviously if he had, you know, the, the tile sets as physical objects and like yeah. a, a printed bound book, it's, it's a little bit more premium, isn't it? Yeah, and I think there's if there's one thing that the geek community and tabletop community like, it's having a bookshelf full of cool products. You know, I've got 120 plus board games all lined up on a shelf, and it's it's a pride of mine. You know, I think I think people like collecting their their hobbies. Yeah, we're not going to talk about my side of things. It's awful. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's no, spilled over into my garage on shelves wow <laughs> i remember um my my friend zach um showed me his collection of uh, so he collects the dcc books the dungeon crawl classics mm-hmm. and he's got like just a bookshelf full of them and i'm like mm-hmm. dude okay let's do that one he's like right okay which bit of that one you know <laughs> Yeah, depending upon the books, like I, you know, shout out to Goodman Games and DCC. Like I absolutely love Dungeon Crawl Classics. I'm I'm much more of that old school Gonzo guy myself. Like I grew up in the weird campaigns, so for me, when I saw DCC and what they were doing, I was like, "That's awesome!" 
keep doing it. Nice. 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 Okay. Um, so yeah, uh, if we, if we avoid the conversation of the elephant in the room just yet, um, we'll come back to that in a moment. Um, sure. Just so that everybody who's listening knows we're recording this on Jan 18th, 2023. There's a bit of a, a lead time uh, before this goes out. So any news that happens after this point, we have no, no idea about. And I'm going to ask you chaps your own personal opinions of some stuff yep. later. Um, not necessarily the opinions of Gold Mountain Games, but if you want to say, hey, it's the opinion of the company as well, then that's fine. But I'm going to be asking, you know, yourselves, Rob and Tim, your opinions yeah. in a moment. So, um, so yeah, you, you, you've, you've released a couple of, uh, one shots and you've got this new big campaign coming out. Um, yes. can you speak to, to the big campaign a little bit? Rob, that is your love child. Go for it. Yes, it is. So <laughs> we have the Salt Reach Isles now. Assault Reach Isles is a massive archipelago world. We've got 24 islands ranging from kind of big central kind of multiple kind of species and uh, empires on them. We've got tiny little islands that have, you know, a one group may occupy more than one of them. Um, it came about really from... There isn't really a setting for... D&D, which is what it was written for, um, there isn't one that kind of takes in the, the scope and the differences that you get in kind of island nations and our archipelagos. Um, and I think it gave us this really interesting mechanism we could use with kind of over time, the islands breaking up from a, I'm going to forget the word now, a Pangaea uh like one big continent so a lot of the world is tied into kind of the evolution of the planet as a whole um we've got gods that aren't really gods uh we've got real kind of unique takes on a lot of the or all of the species that people would be used to from D&D uh, and we've also added uh, orcs, trolls, and goblins because one, I love me a green skin. I think I think they're all great. Uh, you know, my my very first uh, Warhammer were orcs back when I was like twelve or thirteen, and I've just loved them ever since. Um, but one of the things I really wanted to do is I wanted to bring them kind of into the modern age. I wanted to get rid of this idea that they are unintelligent brutes who kill and maim for fun. You know, that's, that's, that had its place. You know, I think, you know, the Middle Earth needed its bad guys and the Orcs were amazing. However, I... We need, we, I wanted to do something more interesting with them. So we've got these three species that are, so the orcs are the ones I, are my favourites, and they are, they are cultured. They have, you know, deep lore and and kind of traditions going back into diff into um, kind of arts crafts. They they mine. They have a massive salt flat uh, in the kind of the area of the world that they live in, 
and they've got because of that they're really rich so they've got like a lot of jewelry and they they do a lot of trade import and export and this is like created this really rich culture around them uh, now they haven't lost that orcish they're recognizable as orcs yeah they have they fight to get their position in in society but it's not all they are and they are not evil they are a varied species like any other um so yeah the the species was something i was really keen to kind of adapt and bring into kind of its its own setting then we've got loads of magic items uh over 50 of them which are kind of again tied into the land tied into the culture and the history they're not just cool items that we wanted to throw on top there is a reason they all exist uh we've got um 30 spells which again tied into the life and the actual you know there's a reason they all exist um and what are those monsters so again we've got over 50 monsters i think we're up to 54 56 now um sound, yeah that sounds right and then we've got so the sea and the land of of oscana which is the main island which is being featured in the first book um the cities and the towns and villages are all walled and they're all really safe and they are kind of if all of the main species the playable species are peaceful with each other because of the god's influence this means the outside is dangerous so you've got horrendous monsters that attack from the sea you've got you know traveling the roads is dangerous and there are subclasses which entire's deal is protecting the roads and protecting the trade of this this island so that's that means we've been able to have a lot of fun with the monsters we've got uh one of our main things are the salt worms, which kind of live within these salt flats. And you've got salt worm larvae up to adult ones, up to the brood queen. Uh, and they're kind of, you know, they're kind of like how the orcs, it's kind of a rite of passage. If you've killed a salt worm, then you've made it. Um, so yeah, a lot of the monsters are great. Yeah, we've got, uh, what else have we got? We've got the, the swarm, which is like this, unrelenting swathe of horrendous monsters that comes out of the sea and attacks the dragonborn area um we've got some great npcs again who add this just this level of depth that i f- i felt was missing from a lot of other settings you know we have everything's tied in together and we've even got like music that's been specifically written for us um which is phenomenal but it means that you know when you sit down and you open our book and you play this game you feel like you're there and there's 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 great immersion in it um and yeah i'm i'm so proud of it yeah it's it's we've got an amazing team of writers artists and musicians who have all just come together and you know watching the conversations and are in the chat rooms that we have at work you know doing you know watching 
an artist come in and take a line that a writer's written and brings that into a character that the musician then comes and kind of takes into a melody that that kind of captures that whole image is it's just an amazing thing to be part of um i probably i could carry on for about six weeks talking about this it, it, yeah i've got a massive smile on my face it's such a, a yeah I really enjoy it and it's great. Um, I really hope other people like it. Um, but Tim, why don't you talk about some of your bits? Yeah. So, I mean, outside of like the production of the actual physical books, I've also done some writing in the book. I actually did, what was it? 17 of the monsters. Yeah. I think. So, um, you know, in me coming from like that kind of like darker gonzo world of gaming, I, I had to ask Rob a few times, like, Hey, like, how creepy can I get with this stuff? Right. So it's a big part of it. It's like, because I need you to tone me back. I could get, I could go nuts. <laughs> um, but uh, so I, I handled a lot of the monsters that are kind of the, the every, the every day, again, heavy quotes, their monsters like that you would normally see in like your, your standard, like level up dungeon delving game, like D and D five, E your pathfinder. Right. So like that challenge rating zero up to about challenge rating four. Um and for me, I really wanted to do everything I could to make certain that they ha- they felt like there was a reason for them being in this world other than like, hey, I made a monster, right? Throw it against your players. Like like every every creature I wrote has a a reason for being there. Um, you know, some of them are kind of out there. Um, my personal favorite, and I've talked about this quite a bit in you know staff meetings, is the Boulder Toad. So basically, it is a giant toad that has rock-like skin. So if it's sitting by itself, completely stationary on a beach, you would never know, unless you you encountered them before. You would never know that it's a toad until it attacks, because like most most creatures on archipelagos and islands, like when they hunt, they're opportunist hunters. They don't just go and they go running after the whole party. They'll wait for that straggler, snatch the straggler, and head out. So the idea with the boulder toad is that they're they're typically they're typically like ambush predators, right? So they'll they'll pounce, which again they got a rock body. They'll crush their their victim, snatch it up in their mouth, and they'll just go running off to to eat them. Um, because of the fact that again, being an archipelago world, we are going to have um, later on as the, the books progress, there's going to be um, rules for shipbuilding and stronghold building and sailing. And uh, one of the things that boulder toads are used for by yeah, uh, ships that have money is to load them into the hull and launch them at other ships on catapults, which of course then <laughs> irritates the boulder toad and starts eating people on the other ship. Yeah, <laughs> I love that idea. Okay. So you know, I was I was thinking it's like what what kind of devious jerks would use like these creatures in this way, right? And so I was like, oh yeah, that that makes sense. If I was rich and had money and zero morals, I would do this too. Right. So it just makes sense. Um, but yeah, we quite a bit, quite a bit. I think one of the oh sorry, go. No, go you go, you go. Uh I was just gonna say, like, one of the other things we've tried to do, and I, I think we've been very successful with it, is we've tried to be very open and accepting and inclusive with our writing. Um, We have 
very many kind of NPCs named characters, uh, some of the gods as well. There's their male, female, and they, them. Um, we, inclusivity is really important to us as a company, right? Whether that's, whether that's because of life choices, whether that's because of religion, whether that's because of di- 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 disability, whatever it is, I think it's, I think it's really important that everyone gets a chance to play who they want to be in a game. Um, so that's kind of, that's, influence a lot of our decision making for it especially because we're not writing a kind of eurocentric or western centric setting um we've kind of made sure that we've talked to people from cultures similar to uh the one in the salt reach isles uh, and so that's been i've learned some amazing things and we've got one of our writers actually south american and a lot of there's a lot of influences from their culture within the monsters and some truly ter- terrifying creatures from uh folklore from around the world that we brought in uh, so yeah that's been really nice as well two things that you've both brought up there that I'd love to spend just a couple of couple of moments talking about. I feel like we could we could talk forever uh, and there are much smarter people than I who can talk forever about the non-diverse non-inclusive nature of um, standard fantasy stuff, right? You know, you Tolkien's the, and, and, and even before then, right? The whole, you know, um, dwarves and gnomes are a specific group of real people. Um, in, in D and D, you know, humans are meant to be, well, I, you know, are meant to be white people because they're the most adaptive and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's horrid stuff if you really think about it, but that's for, that's for other people to talk about because way smarter than me, right? But I really like that you're sort of being inclusive with uh, and diverse and, and bringing all of these ideas to the table and trying to sort of push out of that, uh, that, uh, that situation, right? Because I was watching a number of years ago, I was watching one of the Harry Potter movies. With you know some some little ones, and they got to Gringotts, and I'm like, hmm, I know which um, particularly which stereotype they're playing up for these creatures, <laughs> you yeah, know, and it's exactly. and they yeah. shouldn't, right? But I suppose we have that cultural background of that's where we've come from, but we need to move away from those. One of the reasons I really yeah. like Pratchett in his writing because he does he takes those conventions and kicks them out of the window and goes right, let's do yeah. this as if they are real people, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think one of the things we're doing at the moment, we, I don't get too into, but in the background, we're writing another system. And part of the work I'm doing on that is we had a long meeting the other day about if we've got these people in the middle who are like the empire they were going to be humans. And then we are going to have like other ones around the outside, but that's, can't we don't want to do that because we don't want people to have those preconceived ideas so so and then you get into you get into this really difficult situation where you're trying to you're trying to do these other cultures justice you're trying to show them 
how they really are. You're, you're, you're not trying to make them bad guys. You're not trying to make them good guys. You're trying to make them realistic and actually trying to see how that's viewed from other people's point of view is something that, we, as I said, we had a three-hour meeting about just this and trying to find ways that, that is fair, does justice and doesn't, doesn't injure people is it's it's hard but it's really important and i think we kind of have a duty to do that yeah and the other thing this too is if you look at if you look at the realities of what causes you know i don't want to say evils in the real world right but if we if we were to you know put a real world analog on it like there there's nobody who's there's no like one race of human that's inherently evil there's factions within the human race that have done some pretty abhorrent things over history so that's that's kind of the motivation within the books too right where it's like yeah they're they're all different species they have their own cultures depending upon what island they come from like orcs on Ascana are going to be totally different from orcs on another set of islands just because again culturally but what faction are they aligned with right like that's that's where their viewpoints come in so it it was important for us to kind of look at it from a more of a a real world perspective that if we are going to create like you know absolute a-holes for bad guys that like there's a motivation behind it other than like oh green skin and go yeah. charge it yeah <laughs> like uh, you know my my goal has always been like if i'm gonna make an enemy in a campaign i want the players to love to hate them yeah absolutely like like there are there are some great bad guys in films and literature and you know everywhere like the great bad guys are not bad because of physical things. They're not bad because of anything they can't change. They're bad because they make choices that are bad. Yes. And that's that's what that's what we're doing. And I think that's what that's what a lot of people are doing now. And it's it's really refreshing and really quite pleasant to to see. Mm. I really enjoy that when uh, creators such as yourselves put so much effort into world building. Um, it's been mentioned a couple of times, um, once off recording and a couple of times on recording, but uh, the Warhammer books. I mean, I got into the, you know Warhammer when I was uh, 14, 15. I was always chaos. I don't know what that says about me, but <laughs> you know, one of the things I really liked to do was just to buy the books and read the world building, right? Because that it's, it's so much more than just... You know, my units are firing at your units. I'm going to roll a dice and use the adapters to figure out how many of your units I've killed. It's like it gives me a reason to actually understand why this fight is happening. And it sounds like, you know, you guys and your and your team have, have done a, a very similar thing, right? Let's write a whole story. Let's come up with, like you were saying, it's an archipelago that's split off from a Pangea. That tells me you're, you're that far into the weeds of the detail that you're coming up with. Why does this world exist? Why do these creatures exist? Yeah. Why do they live over here rather than over there? You know, well, and, it makes it easy for the you, game master to glom onto that too. That's the big piece. Yeah. Yeah, like we, that, that's actually a really good point. Like, like our end goal here is to produce a product that a games master can pick up, read, and then create their own game. And they've got enough lore to pull from, enough ideas to pull from, that that is 
it, it's a pleasure to put their own story in our world rather than a challenge to put their own story in our world. Because you've got some settings which are, they're great, they're really, really detailed and they've got loads of stuff, but actually fitting your story into it is hard. So like we've, we feel like we've, we've trodden that line very carefully between enough information and too much information. So like we've got 21 cities, we've got two, three pages per city, a lot of information, but we've written none of the towns. So you can, you, you, you can have a city, you can go there, you can have enough information but if you want to have a town that is completely your own making, we've given you an example in the cities of what it may be like, and then it, you've got the space to create your own thing. Um, which, yeah, I'm, I'm quite pleased with. And I think, you know, same thing, we've got 24 subclasses in there as well. So you can, you can absolutely go and if you want to play a thing, have the mechanics to play that thing um the other thing i just realized i've got it we've got a whole new class in there as well um which is the coalescent so they these guys take cantrips so the minor spells and they combine them to do other spells with them um so that's something which came up as you came up with a conversation with a housemate of mine last year and we were talking about the game we played in and we came up with this idea and it it just kind of blossomed into this really interesting really versatile class um that kind of gets a lot of freedom to make their spells their own but it's kind of tempered with the fact that they they don't get a lot of late game um, kind of those real game changing spells. But you you can you can succeed in any situation. Uh, they're really good fun to play. We've had a lot of fun with the playtesters um, getting those kind of all the all the balance right uh it's quite a task balancing a new class but yeah we've got a great team of play testers who've been doing that for us great um so look right we've danced around the elephant in the room for a little while uh, the og <laughs> a lot of stuff has happened recently um and like i said earlier on i'm asking you chaps your own personal opinions if you want to make it this is the opinion of you know, the company, the group, then that's fine. But uh, I'd love to know a couple of things about, because because we talked right at the beginning, I said, hey, it's, it's D&D 5e, and you went, well. <laughs> so, uh, it, like, leading question, is that because of what happened with the OGL uh, earlier this week into last week? Simple answer is yes. Um, you know, I guess the next question I'm going to have for you naturally on this subject, are we allowed to swear on this podcast? <laughs> totally. Yes, <okay. laughs> you just opened Pandora's box, by the way. I'm just going to put that out there. That's okay. <laughs> no uh, yeah. So OGL, um, Rob, do you want to give, do, do we want to give the gold mountain games version of it? Or do we want to go right into our own personal feelings on it? So I think that gold mountain games, we've put out a statement on our social media, uh, talking about it. It is, it is out there. If people are interested to go and see it, I, 
I think it's quite nice t- for us to talk about our personal opinions yeah. of it. Um, Just I think hear that dirty laundry. Mine's mine's probably slightly less angry than Tim's is going to be, so I'll, I'll go first so we can build up. I'm sad, is my feeling. Dungeons and Dragons for me, I've got quite a few chronic health problems and I've had some really dark times in my life and I relied on D&D to get me through them and it did that job really well. It's brought me closer to my friends, it's brought me closer to my brother and they've turned around and they've sullied it. And I'm I'm sad. I think they have taken... Wizards of the Coast have taken the community that made 5th edition as big and as popular as it is and they've turned around and they've gone you don't matter anymore we're going to take all of your hard work and we're going to do what we want because we don't want other people benefiting off this anymore and I think that's cruel I think it's mean and I think it's selfish and I know they're a company and I have no issue with them making money that's what that's that's what their job is they're allowed to make money we live in a capitalist society go go ahead but don't on the people who gave you help and that's what they've done so that's in a nutshell that's my that's my feeling yeah so um i'm gonna start off my portion of this by saying that i've been mentioning this quite a bit on different videos i've watched on the subject and different facebook groups and things that um you know, with every statement they come out with and all these like apologies that are not really apologies and bull that comes with it, the one thing I've said over and over and over again when it comes time to how they're treating this whole thing is that the community holds the spirit of Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Wizards of the Coast and Hasbro at this point is just parading around with their corpse because they own the brand and the ampersands. I don't think they really understand what it took to even get this game to the level it's even hit now. And I understand YouTube, digitization, having, you know, folks like Critical Role and all these other, like, you know, celebrity D&D players out there promoting the game has built the brand. But, like, you know, I'm 41 years old. I started this hobby in, like, second edition where it's like we were nerds in a basement that were clinging to this one thing that kept us together. It didn't matter if it was running official Planescape or Forgotten Realms at the time or Dark Sun with all of its grittiness or Homebrew, you know, like we, we, that's how this community started. Like going to Gen Con when it was still in, you know, Milwaukee, Wisconsin at the time and playing in groups where people are like using their own Homebrew rules and things like that, or their own Homebrew classes and you know new monsters things like that like that's what built dungeons and dragons right not not some corporate overlords that were like well we control all things that are level up dungeon delving experiences with a party right like that's not how this works and so when you look at the stuff that third party creators have done and i'm not even speaking on behalf of gold mountain games at this point i'm talking you know, I, I've got friends all over the industry that are affected by this. Um, you know, it doesn't matter if it's Paizo and yeah, they make a few million a year or Cobalt Press and they make a few million a year. A year. You know, let's look at like the smaller publisher, 1985 Games, uh, Skeleton Key Games. Like these are folks that are literally teams of two and three 
that are knocking out more useful content for use in effectively Dungeons and Dragons than what Wizards of the Coast has ever done. Especially when we look at like the absolute turds that they put out with Spelljammer recently, right? Like, how do you have a game about space? Like, you you had every opportunity to make Guardians of the Galaxy for D and D. You didn't even involve how to use a ship. <laughs> like, yeah. we're in space, and you want me to board another ship, like jump from my ship into the vacuum of space onto another shit like in what world does this make sense right but you look at the old you know two, second edition stuff for Spelljammer, and if that rule wasn't there there was folks that made it and it was posted on message boards right so again it goes back to that old school feel of it's the community that fleshed this stuff out and yeah. when you turn around and you do stuff like this and people are seeing the quality of the things that you're putting out and yeah they might turn to cobalt press who makes awesome third-party content. They may turn to Skeleton Key Games for their deck of encounters. All these are things to make the Dungeons & Dragons experience better, and they basically came out and said, not only do you now have to bow down and kiss our ring and get our approval, now we're going to ask for your bank statements to see how much you're doing as a company, and if you make past a certain amount, we're going to take a percentage of your revenue, not profits, revenue. At 25%, that will bury most companies. It will absolutely bury them. And then, you know, because by the time that it is, right, like we could do a Kickstarter that makes a million dollars, but if we spend 750000 of it on, you know, development, paying staff, um, you know, shipping, logistics, fulfillment, you know, there's all those parts behind it, you know, production of the product. Like we have zero profit at the end of the year by the time that they take their cut. And on top of that too, like the way that they worded it where it's, Oh well, you know, now after we've you've kissed you've bowed down and kissed our ring and you've you've agreed to pay us for making your own content. And then on top of that, we could turn around and just use your without paying you. And then by the way, within 30 days, we'll just cancel your we'll just cancel your agreement to use a license. Like it it put a lot of people on edge. And then when they came out with an apology yeah they, they tried to pretend that a multi-million pound company didn't have a legal team that told them what their contract would do <laughs> it, was also, the, it was the most patronizing thing i think i've ever read i was it yeah. made it made me and most people i've talked to there's quite a few people even more angry and even more you know we we're all in a bit of shock, right? I think I think that's as well. Like like this, no one could have seen this coming at this level. Well, yeah, and on top of that too, like you take the fact that that first apology they came out with a few days ago, where first off they're like, oh well, you know, this was a leaked draft. Uh, no, like I have friends in the industry that got this as an NDA, right? what what legally like name a draft that you've ever seen in your life for any document that comes with a legally binding nda like stop lying to us like we, we there's already enough people that have seen through your bull you're going to keep doubling down you know and that, that statement you know that that final statement and there's memes out of, uh, about it now where like michael scott from the office their line was there's going to be people that think because of the outcry that they won and we lost they're only half right they won, and so did we. And I'm like, no, you you now look like clowns. 
And this statement just proves that like you are completely out of touch with anybody who's in this hobby. You know, outside of people that may have only come into this from the Dungeons and Dragons through D&D beyond and have no idea about all this other stuff's perspective, right? There's always those people, but when you look at the hobby writ large, like they're so out of touch with what made them what it is that it's 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 shocking. Yeah. And they tried this all before. Yeah. And it didn't work because everyone universally hates fourth edition because it was terrible because they tried this before. Yeah, with the GSL, as they called it. Yeah. It doesn't work. You ca- you cannot turn a tabletop role-playing game into a microtransactioned online-only thing because you need a group of friends to play it. It worked with Magic the Gathering because you only need one other person to play it. Ain't going to work with D&D. You know, and don't get me wrong, right? Wizard of the Coast are going to survive. They're going to keep making money. They, this isn't the end of Wizard of the Coast. It's not the end of D&D. And I'm, I'm kind of pleased with that because I said it's very important to me. But at the same time, they've got a lot of work to do to get back the respect and the patronage of a lot of people. And I, yeah. I, I don't think they're going to do it for years. So based on that, do you think then that... Um, that this has a wider effect on the tabletop RPG or indeed just tabletop, you know, board gaming uh, group uh, community. Do you think this will then cause content creators and gamers and games masters to actually go, do you know what? Why don't we check out this thing over yeah, here? You know, I mentioned DCC earlier on, right? Do you think people will go to that? Do you think, or do you think that everyone will just say, no, we'll wait for it all to calm down and then we'll come back to. I, I think this is going to be amazing for the tabletop industry. I think that lots of people are going to go, well, I'm a bit off with D&D. I'm going to go and look at what else is out there. And like I last weekend, I was at a local theatre that one of my friends runs and they put on a whole weekend of other tabletop RPGs as a live stream and we recorded like 30 hours and I think six of that was D&D and there were some awesome games out there some really you know from the from the Pathfinders or the Call of Cthulhu's and the big ones right down to you know games no one's ever heard of but they're great and I think yeah my hope is that this this one encourages people to write them and two encourages other people to look for them because there are some amazing ones out there and as I said like we're doing one uh we're we're hopefully going to be taking on another system to release the Salt Reach Isles with you know yes I think I think as crap as this all is there is a silver lining and I think that's it. Yeah. hundred percent. Like it's funny overnight 
Wizards of the Coast is single-handedly responsible for more people checking out other RPGs other than D&D <laughs> than any marketing team has ever done ever. Yeah. You know, because, I mean, ultimately, like, we look at what the OGL was for initially and why it was written, it, you know, and why so many people are attracted to the OGL from a business perspective is because you have a built-in marketing machine, right? Like, everybody knows how to play Dungeons & Dragons if they've played a role-playing game. You know, where if we come up with our own system, we're fighting two battles. It's not just, hey, we have the Salt Reach Isles, which are super awesome. But by the way, this is a system you've never played before. So you're not you're not only learning about a new world, you're learning about a whole new system where, you know, with the OGL, it's, hey, you all know the basic six, six stats to hit armor class and saving throws. You all understand that. You understand levels one through 20 and your hit die and everything else. Like, take this use it and go right so like there, there's a lot less effort for folks when it comes time to creating something new to go off the ogl and you know that's initially what it was meant for not this whole like oh it was meant for homebrew and not for mega corporations well let's talk about that mega corporation part real quick you know like i know that they're addressing cobalt press and they're addressing paizo those didn't start as massive corporations they became massive corporations because of the awesome work they did for the OGL. They created such awesome stuff for, you know, third-party stuff that, like, they became legitimate businesses. Last time I checked, anybody who's in this creation space, that's exactly what we all want. You know, you basically came along and said, like, you, you do delegitimize de them. Yeah, and I think there's a very real problem here in that a lot of the small creators are going to lose money and they've mm. got to pay their mortgages and they've yeah. got to send their kids to school and it's a massive cottage industry that the AGL created and it it was meant to be and they were told it was permanent yeah people rely on it for their livelihoods mm -hmm. i know quite a few and now they're all yeah. in limbo yeah yeah and and i think there's this is also the aspect of going we've got two bit rubbish apologies <laughs> we yeah. still don't we still don't know what they're doing with it so all of these people are as you said tim in limbo it's it's a nightmare, like is what it is. And it's, as I said, you know, from the owner of a company who we, we had a live Kickstarter when this was, when this was done and we had to cancel it. Like yeah. that, oh, right. that was gutting. Yeah. It, but I'm also angry I'm also sad. I'm also quite excited for what comes next. But like, we need we need an answer. We need to know what we've got to work with because it might turn out that they backtrack on everything and we didn't have to cancel our Kickstarter. But at the time, we had to cancel our Kickstarter, and you're like, "Come on, this is this is not fair." Yeah, you know, we've done nothing that you didn't tell us that we were, had every right to do. Right. And we're being punished for it. And I think a lot of people feel like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 100%.
you know, and I know that, uh, you know, Paizo is working on the orc right now, which is, you know, the open resource something. I'm probably getting that wrong. So, um, but they, they have their own, you know, open document that can be used under Pathfinder, Fantasy Age, uh, basic role playing. There's all these companies that have jumped on board under the banner of the orc. Um, you know, where basically you know, what it really states is that, you know, under copyright law, you cannot copyright game mechanics. You can't. Um, what copyright law protects is the uh, the methodology in which they're presented, right? So, like, I can't copy verbatim from the player's handbook what they say about strength, dexterity, constitution, intelligence, wisdom, charisma. If I do my own write-ups on them, they can't stop me, period. Um, you know, so you, you can't you, you can't stop people from using that. But the other part of that, too, was the SRD. Right. So they keep talking about the OGL and everything else. They've not once mentioned anything about keeping the SRD around, which is a system reference document people are allowed to add into their books in order to catch people up to speed about how to play 5e. You know, so that, you know, taking that out, you know, a lot of people look into it going, well, that's a load of work to do, you know, in order to completely rewrite the SRD in our own language, which is fine. We'll do it. But, you know, when they were also like, oh, by the way, we're revoking 1.0a. Now they're like, hold on a second here. Like now you're, you're legitimately with my business, you know, and that's a big side of it, right? Like the idea that they came out and were like, oh, well, that's cute. Like the OGL was originally meant for like homebrewers and we won't sue you for homebrewing. You've never sued anybody for homebrewing, you know, unless TSR back in the day was pretty litigious, but like, are you going to tell me you're going to come and sue me for what happens on around a table? That involves myself and my five players that are my friends that we don't talk about in public or push. Like, what are, what are you saying? Like, you sound ridiculous. And, you know, that's that's the other side of it, too, is like any anything they've done now to backpedal on their statements is just it's it's like they're digging themselves a deeper hole. Yeah. Like the damage is already done. Yeah. It, what what I want to see them do is go. We made a corporate decision that didn't take into account the community we got it wrong and we are sorry that's what i want to hear i don't want to hear them trying to tell us that they weren't trying to do something something bad like you're allowed to make a business decision when you're a business yeah you you didn't take into account your community that's what you did wrong you need to admit that and you need you need to you need to say sorry and not try and justify it all. Not try and pretend that you didn't know what a legal document meant. You just need to. You just need to own up and say you're sorry, and then release release some good stuff. If they do that, I think they'll win over a lot of people in a in a year or two. Yeah, I, totally. I don't think it's coming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So in the meantime, we're going to keep working on Salt Reach Isle stuff, but under what system? That's that's the big question right now. Like we're we're obviously one hundred percent, but one hundred percent behind what the Cobalt Press is doing with Project Black Flag, and you know what Pies is doing with the Orc. So you know, we're definitely, uh, you know, we're we're in that we're in that banner of folks. Um, obviously, we're not nearly as big of a company, but. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, you know, the, the idea of it is, is like, even when we get to that point, if we come up with our own system, we want people to be able to use it. 
Like if we create something that's that popular, people want to emulate it. Like I can't think of a bigger form of flattery than that. Exactly. Like, yeah, as Tim said, like we are, we are, we're still working. We still have stuff going out on our Patreon. We still have content being written. The All of the last final touches on the book are being done. Uh, the artworks, I think we're at 70% done for the artwork now. Like it's, it's all coming along really well. And, you know, we will, we will finish our conversations with these other companies and we will, we will convert the rules over and we'll, we'll be releasing it again. Um, and I think it's, yeah, as I said, I, 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 there is an element of this that is excitement for me. I think, I, I think there's something new and we know there's going to be a bigger audience for it now. Uh, and I think that's cool. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I, I love that we've, we've gotten to a positive note. We've gone through, the, the the feelings and the emotions and the situation that we found ourselves in <clears throat> uh, and that we found ourselves in but I like that we've ended on this, this positive note about how um, you know how you guys are going to continue on and figure out what it means for the future because I like that um, so I guess um, in our in our closing minutes because we only have so much time today um, what I'd like to do is thank you chaps for being on the show and talking about this because you know, I'm not an industry expert about this. I, w- I wanted to, to dive into this and get a feeling for how you feel because then that gives me an idea of how the community feels and, and all that kind of stuff. But also it gives me an idea of how perhaps other businesses like yourselves are, are feeling about this yeah. too. Um, but um, but in, in our final few moments, where should people go to find out more about uh, Gold Mountain Games and you know what you've got coming up? You've mentioned Patreon there. You've mentioned a couple of other things. Where can people go to find all that out? I'll make sure it goes into the show notes so they can click on the links and all that kind of stuff. Wonderful. That'd be great. So all of our social media is just Gold Mountain Games. So we've got goldmountaingames.com is our website. Uh, you can pick up our one-shot uh that was written by chris mccauley on there uh we have the patreon which is gold mountain games and we've got uh another one shot that was written by chris mccauley and claudia christian uh and then produced by us that's uh if you back for that all the money donated to charity uh we've got a youtube we've got an instagram we've got a tiktok we've got a reddit and a tumblr I think that's all of them. Facebook as well. Yeah. Uh, and they're all, they are all just gold mountain games. So you will find us. We've got a couple of episodes of a stream up on YouTube. We've got more of that will be coming once we settle on the system. Um, we've got a little talk show that's going to be, that's in the works at the moment. So that should be coming out and that's going to be showcasing other RPGs actually um so yeah we've got a lot of stuff coming out we've got a free comic or the first 12 things of a free comic on the patreon yeah and then you can back to get uh the rest of the comic and that's really cool as well so yeah lots of stuff lots of interesting kind of content going up on our social medias as well so yeah please do check us out um it's we really like it so we hope you do too excellent 
Excellent. Um, well, what I'll say, chaps, in these final few minutes, because like I say, we're a bit time strapped today, is uh, perhaps if you're interested, I'd love to talk to you chaps again um, as, as the project continues and maybe we can get an update or something. And maybe if you're interested, go through some of our usual segments like Thunderplanes and stuff like that. Yeah. Just to get a feel for how you how you all are and what your individual tastes are and stuff. Absolutely. But yeah. yeah um, Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. I'll be in touch for sure. Um, yeah. Uh, thank you both so much for spending some time with me today. Um, I know that if Squidge could, could have been here, he would have been because yeah. he's, like I said, he's, he's a big, uh, tabletop and board game, uh, chap. And, you know, I, I've picked up a lot of stuff by sort of watching him and listening into his, uh, his views and stuff like that. So we'll have to try and get him on next time is what I'm getting at. We can all just sort of nerd out for, for a Sounds while. amazing. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm all about that nerding Excellent. out. As yeah. long as you don't mind ranting Excellent. every once in a while. <laughs> no, that's fine. That's fine. I may also be able to um, convince friend of the show, Zach, to be on, and he can talk for ages about TTRPGs and all that kind of stuff because he's very, very. He, he he got me into DCC, so I'm like following his yeah. his his rules there and stuff. Awesome. Excellent. Well, yeah. Well, um, thank, thank you very you much for having us. It's been yeah, it's been really good fun. It's been awesome. Thank you. Hey, you're very welcome. Thank you. <laughs>